Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's April 28th. 2010, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. A lot of what led to Prime Minister Gordon Brown's downfall was predictable. The global financial crash, the rise of the SNP, the relative charisma of his opponents, David Cameron and Nick Clegg, but no one predicted today in history in 2010 that the then Prime Minister would deal a massive self-inflicted blow to his own campaign by heading off to a meet and greet in the marginal constituency of Rochdale only to be caught on mic calling one of his own supporters, hitherto unknown pensioner Gillian Duffy, a bigot. Yeah, so he was on the campaign trail, and when he hit Rochdale, he was confronted by Duffy. I mean, they had this really long conversation uh, that went for five minutes, but within the course of that conversation, she did express concerns about, among other things, the influx of migrants to the area and the strain that that had put on both the population and the local economy and all of that. But once he got into the car and forgot that his microphone that <laughs> had been put pl- on him by Sky News was still recording, it picked up the now immortal quote, that was a disaster, should never have put me with that woman, she was just the sort of bigoted woman who said she used to be Labour. <laughs> yeah, do you know what, what, looking into this, I had to double check, because doesn't this feel like a billion, jillion years ago? <laughs> like if you'd asked me when this happened, I would have said <laughs> 2005 at the absolute latest, it just feels like so yeah. of a moment, and I actually think you can see that in the full exchange as well, when you watch the video of their full conversation. I mean, obviously, the segment that was seized on was the part that painted Duffy in a bit of a poor light, because it does sound like kind of ignorant complaining about immigration, but it is a tiny part of a much longer conversation. You know, what she was talking about for most of it was there was a long bit about pensions and policing, reducing the national debt. But she does kind of come across, I have watched the whole thing today, she does come across as like a bit like derailed and kind of haranguing, you know, like she, she can't, I mean, fair enough. Like she's presented with the prime minister and she's on live TV and she doesn't she yeah. didn't know when she went there she was going to meet the prime minister. She went there just to see him campaigning because she was a Labour supporter and Sue, his assistant, pulled her out from the crowd. Well, you should come and talk to Gordon, which is what he was upset about. But, you know, she can't focus on a question. She asks like 10 scattershot questions. Then when he starts trying to answer one, she was like, yeah, but what about my grandchildren? Yeah, but what about all this immigration? But don't you think that she also got under his skin because of the thrust of what she's saying through all of this sort of scattergun this and that, which is I used to be a Labour voter and I come from historical Labour stock, all my, you know, as many generations back as we can go. And now I don't feel like I can support you. And that would have got to him in particular because 
the timing of this conversation was so very much like Labour in decline and particularly under the stewardship of Brown, who had just come in trying to fill the really enormous shoes that Tony Blair had left and the party was hemorrhaging popularity. And so here he is and he would have heard, I don't like you, Gordon Brown. And that's probably part of what got under his skin. Yes, and he knows he's on camera and he knows that he has to react in a certain way, even if it's coming across badly. And he knows that it's all in the context of the Shakespearean tragedy of his own succession. <laughs> then he gets in the car and he finally blows <laughs> yeah. off steam. And even even that, viewed through this lens of perspective, doesn't feel that fiery, does it? He's just pissed off and he's just saying, oh, mm. God, who that was a disaster. Who did that? Who's responsible? But even that, even before he uses the word bigot, the fact that he's immediately trying to blame someone else for his shortcomings was seized mm. upon afterwards by people in his own party who were saying, this is exactly why Tony Blair was the leader and not him for so long. It's because he's grumpy, he blames other people, right. he doesn't understand other people and he can't react fluidly and quickly to a situation like this. You know, he's, he's the brains and he's best kept in the back office is basically it. And this seemed to demonstrate like all the flaws that everyone had been saying was the issue with Gordon Mm. Brown being prime minister writ large. Whose fault was this? Whose idea was this? Sue, how dare you, Sue, put me in front of one of my own voters? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's part of the ultimate impact it had on a lot of voters as well. Because obviously the main thing is, for a lot of people, the bigoted comment in particular confirmed what they already suspected and what they're being told by the likes of Nigel Farage. You know, UKIP was really at its peak at this point too, is that the party that was supposed to represent the working people was actually in the hands of this removed liberal metropolitan elite who saw them as being unenlightened and ignorant but also the fact not just that he refers to as being a bigoted woman but the fact that he says you know who did that who's responsible it kind of came off as who is responsible for you know like me have to interact with a person like that (laughs) the labor voter (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah But also it only gets worse. Later that day when he went to uh, do this BBC Radio 2 appearance on Jeremy Vine's show. And again, somehow, like, having not realised that he was miked when he was on Sky News, he seemed to not realise he was on camera when he was on the radio. <laughs> I mean, his media awareness was poor. I know, this is the worst. <laughs> and Yeah, and so he has the interaction played back to him and his reaction to having this thing uh, in his ears is to sort of slump with his hands over his eyes and then his comment is I apologize profusely to the lady concerned but you know the damage is already done in two ways one that he did it two that it's going out there actually let's say three ways <laughs> and also that his his apology then looks so like like a, a fallen person who look the the polls said that the conservatives were already ahead yeah. by this stage like conservatives were on 35% labor was on 28% so this wasn't the thing that caused him to lose the election necessarily it just reinforced the trajectory but i think it was the moment that the momentum had just gone right he couldn't pretend that he wasn't going to lose the election because that's what happened in this election the conservatives didn't win this election we we got a hung parliament we got a coalition government between the conservatives and the lib dems what happened is labor lost this election but then you know he did actually try to um you know uh, repair the damage because he he... (laughs) i mean was he trying to make amends or did he just try and change the story for the 10 o'clock news because that (laughs) evening he goes back ah, to Julian Duffy's you, house. That did you very see the same clip? Day. This goes back to what, what you <laughs> were saying, Ollie, about how he can't react fluidly oh, in the moment. He can't, isn't it? He, the thing with Gordon yeah. Brown is that he just couldn't like replicate human emotions quick enough. 
And so there's <laughs> the clip of him. smile, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he comes out of the house, the media's obviously all there. And he sort of speaks yeah. to the media, but he's oddly, he comes off as being oddly smug. Like he's got this weird little smirk on his face when he says mm. that he, he describes himself as feeling like, quote, a penitent sinner. And I feel like now politicians get a lot yeah. more training in like long face. You know, he's smiling, being like, I'm on campaign yes. and this is an election, yeah. but it just comes off as like his sort of tongue in cheek. Yeah. I mean, we know about the aftermath for Gordon Brown, obviously, but in terms of what happened to Gillian Duffy, and I think maybe because we're so used to social media pile-ons mm. now that it makes this hard to believe, but a year later, the Manchester Evening News caught up with her as a sort of one-year-on type thing. And, you know, she said she didn't find it funny at the time, but then she says, it's been a year to remember for me, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. All the people who've come to see me have been very nice, so I can't really complain about the press. I've always been interested in politics. I've enjoyed getting to meet all those politicians. Mm. You know, she and she said she received loads of letters of support. It seems like it was great for her, to be honest. She got a letter from Wales, which was addressed simply to Mrs. Duffy, who spoke to Gordon Brown, Rochdale. <laughs> but also the fact that these amusing viral videos around it exist was another thing that gave it momentum beyond what had happened in previous elections. There have been moments, hadn't there, where like Mrs. Thatcher had been asked awkward questions by members of the public. But it's the fact that this was 2010. So it's kind of pre- truly viral videos in the sense that things weren't happening that were purely online and getting traction. They needed to be on the telly first before they were broken up and remixed and viralised. But then they could be. Like, if, every, if enough people, if enough yeah. millions of people had seen it on the news at 10, then you could endlessly keep portraying this video again and again. And, you know, Bigger Gate <laughs> was being mentioned all the way to Polling Day by the Conservatives, obviously, who were delighted. You know, it... it it was an absolute perfect story for them, wasn't it? Because it was like Labour's scared to talk about immigration. Labour thinks you're a bigot. Although, you know, there was no shortage of bite-sized, clip-worthy gaffes that Brown was putting himself through. There was the famous one where he <laughs> he forgot he was Prime Minister, where in, in the House of Commons in 2009, the Prime Minister was called on to make a statement and... Brown started to walk out of the house because he'd just sort of evidently <laughs> forgotten that was him now or the one where he said that the Arctic Monkeys were his favourite band but he couldn't name any of their songs because he was someone who wasn't able to laugh those things mm. off. That's the thing. He was obviously genuinely acutely embarrassed by this and actually was a savvy enough politician to realise that it was a complete disaster for him from the moment he got in the car and said that was a disaster and actually was someone who never would have called someone like that a bigot to their face. You know, he, he would see himself as having a very gentlemanly way of dealing with the public. You know, all the bruising, bullying stuff was for his colleagues clearly behind closed doors, wasn't it? So he was genuinely yeah. mortified, I think, that this had happened. In a way that since, you know, think about Trump's grab him by the pussy one. Mm. You know, right. now, if a politician's caught on hot mic sort of revealing their true nature, they sort of shrug it off and that's okay. Whereas it was just like people had nailed what he was actually like and that was mortifying. He should have come out with locker room talk. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what you say to the boys. <laughs> and so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.